Hi, this is Christopher Harris, and welcome to Your Family Doctor. This podcast is a reading of The Family Doctor, a counselor in sickness, pain, and distress for children, manhood, and old age, containing in plain language, free from medical terms, the causes, symptoms, and cure of disease in every form with important rules for preserving the health and directions for the sick chamber and the proper treatment of the sick, the whole drawn from extensive observation and practice by Professor Henry S. Taylor, medical doctor, with engravings of medicinal plants and herbs. Published in 1869, This is the 21st revised edition. Now, where did I put those gloves? In these introductory words, we have a picture of a seasoned doctor dispensing to two fine young lads and a young lady pertinent medical information. He points in a tone and addresses his audience as they listen, as this is important advice. Tongue depressor. My tongue is already depressed. And so we begin. We need not spend many words, friendly reader, in introducing our subject. As you have kindly solicited our counsel, we will meet you with a sympathizing spirit and in kind language. We have about us neither mystery nor concealment, but are desirous only to understand your sufferings and in the most simple and direct manner to minister the best remedies. We have no social object to pursue beyond what we avow. We have no particular system to advance, and we have no wish to make our volume an advertisement of any nostrums of our own. Our plan is with all honesty, simplicity, and common sense to guard our friends against what is prejudicial to health, and then to tell them what to do when disease visits them. We have realized much affliction and know how to feel for those who suffer in like manner. And we earnestly request that the moment you think we do not understand your case and feel that we do not render you the service you need, you will at once call in the living physician in whom you place the most confidence. Our desire is to keep disease out of the world But if it really succeeds in coming in, as soon as possible to drive it away, we hold that every man should desire to present before God and man a sound mind and a sound body. We are sure that without health we can neither enjoy happiness nor discharge the duties which devolve upon us. And we know also that if we would enjoy a healthy old age, We must exercise the care and prudence of the old while we are yet young. 
we are ambitious to the benefit of our fellow men, believing as we do with the world-renowned John Wesley that, and I quote, the best physician is not he who talks best or who writes best, but who performs the most cures, unquote. We believe that the conditions of perfect health, either public or personal, are seldom or never attained, though attainable, that the average length of human life may be very much extended and its physical power greatly augmented, that in every year thousands of lives are lost which might have been saved, that tens of thousands of cases of sickness occur which might have been prevented, that a vast amount of unnecessarily impaired health and physical debility exists among those not actually confined by sickness. That these preventable evils require an enormous expenditure and loss of money and impose upon the people unnumbered and immeasurable calamities, pecuniary, social, physical, mental, and moral, which might be avoided. That means exist within our reach for their mitigation or removal and that measures for prevention will affect infinitely more than remedies for the cure of disease. A man, says Hall's Journal of Health, may diet as well as physic himself to death. Some time since a young man called to see me, thin, pale, despondent, and with a great variety of symptoms. On inquiry, I found he had been reading about diet, vegetable food, and other similar subjects, and concluding that many persons owed their ill health to overeating. He would eat very little of anything, discarded meats of all kinds, and considered tea and coffee as decidedly poisonous in their ultimate effects. By this means, provisions being high, he concluded he would save money and health too. He had, for some time, been living on bread and potatoes, a small daily allowance, with as much cold water as he could possibly swallow, the object of that being to keep himself washed out clean. No wonder that such a man was an invalid, mind and body full of symptoms. Dieting is not starvation. It is living on substantial nourishing food, an amount sufficient to satisfy the wants of the system. A man in the little danger of eating too much, if he confine himself to two or three plain articles of diet at any one meal, this is a secret with every man and woman in the land ought to know. Living exclusively on cold food will soon engender disease, especially in cold weather, and as certainly will a scanty diet 
do the same if preserved in. Now, men also ask about hardening the Constitution and with that view expose themselves to summer's sun and winter's wind, to strains over efforts and many unnecessary hardships. To the same end, ill-informed mothers dip their little infants in cold water day by day, their skin and flesh and bodies as steadily growing rougher and thinner and weaker until slow fever, water on the brain, or consumption of the bowels carries them to the grave. And then they administer themselves the semi-comfort and rather questionable consolation of its being a mysterious dispensation of providence, when in fact the fault is their own. Providence works no miracle to counteract human follies. The best way we know of hardening the Constitution is to take good care of it, for it is no more improved by harsh treatment than a fine garment or a new hat is made better by being banged about. And in this point, a reader wrote, Good! Exclamation point. The old people used to tell us that the best physicians were Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Merryman. And no man can dispute the cheerfulness wonderfully contributes to health. Laugh and grow fat is a sound philosophical adage. Stern tells us that every time a man laughs, he adds something to his life. And Solomon, under the guidance of inspiration itself, says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Yes. An eccentric philosopher of the last century used to say that he liked not only to laugh himself, but to see laughter and hear laughter. Laughter is good for health. It is provocative to the appetite and a friend to digestion. Dr. Sendenham said a merrymaker in town was more beneficial to the health of the inhabitants than 20 asses loaded with medicine. Even a grave and learned physician has before now been disposed to minister to the cheerfulness of his patient. The renowned Dr. Jenner, who first discovered vaccination, once sent the following epigram with a couple of ducks to a patient. And I quote, I've dispatched, my dear madame, this scrap of a letter to say that Miss B is very much better. A regular doctor no longer she lacks, and therefore I've sent a couple of quacks. <laughs> Unquote. Early rising is a subject which has occupied thousands of pens, and to omit a reference to which in a volume of health and sickness would be almost unpardonable. It is true the climate of some parts of the south and west of our country does not present very powerful arguments in favor of early exercise in the open air. But happily, time and cultivation are every year making even those far more healthy 
Now, all the densely populated parts of the United States encourage the industry of early day. But we regret to say that even there, rising early has generally been extolled in vain, for most people think that an additional hour's sleep is very comfortable and can make but very little difference after all. Let such persons remember that the difference between rising at six and rising at eight in the course of 40 years, supposing a person go to bed at the same time he otherwise would, amounts to 29,000 hours, or three years, 121 days, and 15 hours, which will afford eight hours a day for exactly 10 years, which is in fact the same as the 10 years were added to the period of our lives in which we might command eight hours of every day for the cultivation of our minds and the dispatch of business. Now, that little gem, which has by, um, by chance been, been marked up in the margin as a quality parcel, I'll leave you with. Where are those gloves?